This is Sean Lill from Ring General Radio, and you're listening to the 4D Podcast Network. Joining us for another edition of Talking Twins, we appreciate it. It is the opening season, uh, the edition. Of, you know, we can't say opening day for us because, of course, the podcast is every two weeks, but it is for us the opening edition episode of Talking Twins. And at this point, we are recording on Wednesday night, two games in the books, two very sweet games for the Twins so far. We'll talk about that in the in the dugout segment. And we'll also, in, this week in our, we will open up the Down on the Farm segment where we start talking about the Twins' top 30 prospects and what that means for the Minnesota Twins in 2017 and beyond. So with that, let's get into the show. Just remember, you guys can always check us out on the web. It is www.talkingtwinsbaseball.com. Get out to the website. Find all the news that is related. Minnesota Twins, all your minor league affiliates, everything's out there. Links to the podcast. Check it out again, www.talkingtwinsbaseball.com. Now, for social media, we'd love to have you guys come join us on both Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. How you can do that is start. Let's start with Facebook. You can get links to the shows out there every week. We also throw a lot of links to Twins News out there as well, just to keep you guys, you know, you know, up to the latest on what's going on in Minnesota Twins baseball. You can go to www.talkingtwinsbaseball.com/slash/facebook, and that'll get you right out to our Facebook page. If you haven't liked it already, please come out there and like the page. Give us a you know, little quick comment. Just you know, let us know what you think of the show. And just really give us that like out there. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to build that social media aspect. Love to have you guys out there. On uh, terms of Twitter, the handle's at Talking Twins, and over 1,100 of you have already followed us on Talking Twins. We appreciate every one of you that follows us, retweets the stu- the tweets we put out there. Um, I know Daryl does a, a, a very hard job of working to get you guys news on a regular basis. I try to do that as well, but I know Daryl really puts a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know time and effort a lot of hard soul into that so definitely check us out at talking twins if you're not following us there already you need to be if you want to get everything on twitter up to the date up to the minute on what's happening in minnesota twins baseball and instagram will keep you guys updated there mostly during the season pictures that will bring you guys from at target field you know at the metropolitan club at the stadium itself outside of the stadium just to kind of give you guys, uh, you know, pictures on what what's happening, fans view. Cedar uh, Rapids. Yeah, Cedar Rapids as well, which I, I you threw it out there. Now it's a good point. We'll be down there in August to kind of give you guys, you know, just, just what's happening from, you know, Twins baseball from a picture standpoint. And, yeah, Cedar Rapids will be down there August 11th and 12th. We'll throw some Instagram pictures out there of Perfect Game Field, the Colonels, Mr. Shucks, you know, the, the whole environment in Cedar Rapids. But we do that during the season just to, you know, give you guys kind of a – a picture kind of feel of what Talking Twins is covering because there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of things written, but Instagram is a way to throw out pictures of, of what we're covering as well. Our Instagram handle is Talking Twins Baseball. So real easy, all way, all three ways around. Uh, again, Facebook is www.talkingtwinsbaseball.com slash Facebook. The Twitter handle is at Talking Twins, and our Instagram feed is talking twins baseball so all three of those ways will get you guys covered we have more giveaways coming through the season in fact we're going to rip one off on the next show two weeks from now we wanted to kick the season off first get that going but two weeks from now we have another autographed baseball 
I'm not going to say it yet, but I will say if you check our Twitter feed next week, you will find out who that autographed baseball is signed by, and you'll also find out what you've got to do to get yourself entered to win the next autographed baseball from Talking Twins. And, of course, we'll always throw that in a real nice uh, clear cube for you guys as well just to let you know. It'll come out to you nice and taken care of and ready to throw up in your in your little case or wherever you store your baseball. So with that, uh, we're going to get into the show here, and we're going to start with our Down on the Farm segment. And this week we are going to talk about our Twins Top 30 prospect list and where we feel we see these guys, you know, both during the year in 2017 and where this also shakes out for beyond the season. So with that, I bring Daryl in. And of course, Daryl, hey, it's, you know, it's, it's awesome. It's opening week. Twins played a couple of games of baseball. We'll talk about that in the in the dugout segment. But isn't it nice to start actually talking about baseball again when it actually means something? You know, not just, you know, it, you know what I mean? Not just chatting about it, but it actually means something now. It, it, it's 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 fantastic, Brad. And I know you've already gone to a game, the home opener, actually, and I wasn't able to go this year. I had to work. But, uh, you know, not just talking about the winter trades, uh, the winter meetings, uh, you know, it, but actual baseball stuff is exciting, and it's it's a great thing. And, you know, we kind of preliminary mentioned uh, August 11th. You know, we've already got our tickets, and we're already set for August 11th and 12th to go to Cedar Rapids. Uh, I mean, just different things about, I mean, the whole baseball season, and you know me, baseball is my favorite sport. There's nothing even close to that for me uh, personally. And with minor league that we're talking about here now, I mean, I love that just as much, if not maybe a little bit more, because we're seeing the guys that come out of high school or college that are, are playing with all their heart just to make a chance, for the slight chance that they might make it to the show. And, and what we're going to go through now, guys, is the top 30 prospects of the baseball. And we're going to, you know, some of them will spend more time on other. Some will just kind of skim by. And from where they are to where we expect them to be. And some of them, I believe, and a good amount, will will actually see the show this year. And as Daryl mentioned, August 11th and 12th, we are going to go down to cover the, the Cedar Rapids Colonels down in, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, at Perfect Game Field. So we are going to uh, bring back some video and audio interviews that we will, you know, the, the video interviews will obviously post up on the website. The audio interviews we will work into our our shows during the month of August. So definitely stay tuned to that. We're going to bring you know bring back as much as we can for you guys in terms of contact with both players, Tommy Watkins, the the manager down there. Uh, you know, obviously the coaching staff. The and Tommy. we do have a good relationship with Tommy Watkins, so yes, that, that that'll be phenomenal. And you never know who's going to be drafted with that first overall pick, Brad. That's correct. That's correct. So we're, you know, they got the first overall plus they got a they got a thirty fifth. And a thirty-seven selection, so there's a there's a three players right away that could be sitting there in uh, Cedar Rapids for us. No, that's that's a very good point. So you know, so stay tuned to that as we get you know, obviously stay tuned obviously throughout the summer, but as we get into August, and we'll we'll you know we'll kind of highlight that more as we get closer to that weekend. But we are planning on bringing you guys some special audio and uh, video interviews down there during that weekend. Just kind of you know another thing that Talking Twins is trying to do to highlight the minor league guys, especially guys at that level at Cedar Rapids. So. With that, it means we need to start talking about this top uh, 30 prospect list for the Twins. Uh, starting off with number one, I mean, this guy here, not a, not a lot of surprise if you look at a lot of prospect lists, but our prospect list has Nick Gordon at number one, 
the uh, shortstop for the Chattanooga Lookouts, Daryl. I'm going to let you talk about Nick Gordon. Well, you know, Nick Gordon, he doesn't come out with you with any uh, exceptional tools. He doesn't. He's not the best of any of the five tools. He's not the best hitter, not the best power, not, doesn't have the most speed, doesn't have the strongest arm. You know, he's just, but he's really good at everything he does. And there's some, there's some uh, analysts out there that doesn't, that they don't think that he'll stick at shortstop, that he's more in tune to be a second baseman. But I would say the majority of baseball analysts think that he will be a shortstop and he will be the future shortstop of the Twins. Now, when I say that he doesn't have exceptional tools, you know, the minor league system is right on a, a basically a zero to 80 scale. 80 is, you know, Hall of Fame type status stuff. If you throw 100 plus miles an hour as a pitcher, well, guess what? You're going to have an 80. Uh, but the average is around that 45 to 55. And everything just about hits that 50 uh, with Nick Gordon. You know, his uh, hit is a 55. His power is a 40. Well, we know he doesn't have a lot of power. Uh, his run is a 50, his arms a 50, his field's a 55. So overall, he's a 55, and that, that's really good. That, that's a that's a that's a perennial uh, MLB player that's gonna be that's gonna stick at whatever position, and he's gonna start here at Double A. Now, last year, a full season in High A, he had a solid 291. He did it, knock in 52 runs, uh, 23 uh, doubles. Only three home runs because he doesn't have the power. He gets on base. Now, he's not as fast as his brother D. Gordon, but he did swipe 19 uh, bases last year, Brad. I don't know if he's a leadoff guy or if he's a maybe a 7th, 8th, ninth kind of guy in the big leagues. We'll see. But his glove is there. He's got great instincts. He's going to start out in Chattanooga. And I believe the Twins are going to keep him there all year unless unless an injury happens in double uh, A or excuse me, triple A or even, you know, worse yet, the majors. I'd say that's a pretty much a very solid uh, assessment of where Nick Gordon's going to end up and how it's going to play out for him this year. I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I mean, I think that's but if you look at the last couple of years, the Twins have kept Nick Gordon at Cedar Rapids and Fort Myers an entire year. He's a young man. I mean, he's only uh, 21 years old. So you put him in a full year of double A. And the, again, unless he's hitting, he's doing everything exceptionally well and injuries happen above him. But you let him just get the experience. And then in 2018, he's probably your starting shortstop. I'd say that's, again, a very, very, very fair assessment. So with that, we move on to number two, and that is, the to me, the top pitching prospect right now in the minor leagues in the Minnesota Twins organization, and that is Steven Gonsalves. And yes, Steven, you know, a friend of the program is going to start the season in Chattanooga. I think that's going to be a very short-lived assignment. I think he's maybe there at the most half the season. And then at that point, I mean, there may be a, a very you know, short move up to AAA just for the way that the Twins promote guys. There's also the chance, you know, right now, and a lot of that's going to depend on what happens in, you know, this starting staff. But I think what it's going to happen realistically is Consalves pitches there for half a year, comes up to AAA for, you know, a little while because I think at some point, you know, Barrios is going to get his shot back up here. Again, a lot of that's going to ha- depend on how this starting staff plays out in Minneapolis. 
if they all can you know pitch enough to keep their jobs, it's going to hold people back for just a little bit longer. But I think no right. matter what, I think Gonsalves by September when the call ups happen is going to get a shot to be up here at some point. It might not be as as when the starting five, you know, when they when they expand the roster from twenty five to forty, you can bring two more starters up doesn't mean that they're all going to get to start you're not running a seven-man rotation it just means right. that you'll keep a couple more guys up here for in case long relief you know kind of those things but I think he's going to earn that shot at, I mean there's not a lot left we need to see him at even a double a we saw it last year you know he got there the the first start was a little bit shaky but after that he basically dominated double a the same way he dominated uh, high A when he was there, and the same way he dominated low A when he was at Cedar Rapids. The domination from Gonzalez has happened at every level, and that's when scouts will start telling you it's time to move a guy up. Because what you don't want to do is just leave a guy at a level where he's just continually dominating. And and you could say, well, why? You you, you think you'd want to leave him there? He's just he's just killing guys. Yeah, but the problem is he's not he's not getting his skill set pushed, and he's not getting his ability set you know pushed anymore. He's just, you know, I mean, if a guy can go out, and, and I mean, I think Stephen would be the first guy to tell you this, he wants to feel pushed and feel challenged every night. And if you're, if, if you're at a level where you don't, you're just not getting challenged anymore by the hitters, it, it's at the point the, the front office and the scouting staff needs to see that and go, okay, this guy's, you know, topping out at this level. We've got to get him to the next level to find out, you know, what he is. And for Steven, that might be AAA. That also might mean later in the Twins 2017 season. That's just straight up, you know, the major leagues. You know, that that's up to Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, and some of their scouts to determine which way they want to go with him. I think in my in my mind of things, it, it's going to be coming up to Minneapolis. I don't know that that AAA is going to offer a lot more than what they've seen with him just completely you know, owning the Southern League, which is one of the better hitting leagues too, by the way, in in MLB in terms of the the Double A level. So with that, that's that's our take on Gonzalez. Now I'm going to turn number three over to, to Derek or to Daryl. It is it is kind of a short talk because Alex is you know obviously yeah I'll handle number uh, three and four I guess. Oh thank you yeah take uh, them both yeah because Alex Kirloff, uh, our first round pick last year, 19 year old uh, lefty who was phenomenal last year. Uh, well, he had Tommy John surgery. And believe me, I was as upset as any of you guys out there, uh, you know, because he had a nice little uh, season in E-Town where in 216 at-bats, he hit a whopping 306, seven bonds. Uh, he had another 10 extra base hits and uh, 32 RBI. And now he's on the uh, he's on uh, the DL, and he's going to miss the entire year because of Tommy John. So we're going to have to wait for him. He's going to recover just fine. He's a young man, 19 years old. He'll be just fine. Uh, athletic. He's he's going to be he's going to be. I'm not worried at all. It's just it's going to delay him another year, Brad. It happens. It's not fun. I I know fans have asked me. Well. Did the Twins not scout him right? How did they not know it? Well, you know, you just don't know all the time. It happens. Uh, I mean, whether you're 16 or you're 19 and you're getting drafted or, or, or selected, it just doesn't matter. Uh, it, it's going to happen. Well, it's better to happen now when he's 19 
And if he's as good as he projects to be, by the time he's 21, 22, he'll be up in a Twins uniform. It'll be just fine. And we'll be talking about him a lot more next year. And take, take number four as well. And number four is uh, uh, my uh, uh, top pick for uh, top pitcher for talking twins, and that's Fernando Romero. Uh, Fernando Romero, now he's got everything that you want in an ace, a number one guy, and it's been a long time since the twins actually had a realistic number one. Uh, some would say Johan is, is the last guy. Uh, maybe Crazy Lariano. I guess, uh, for half a season before he had to have Tommy John. But Fernando, you know, he was uh, he was put on short reins last year because he was coming off of, well, just what we talked about, Tommy John. He's only 22 years old. He's a right-hander that throws in the high 90s. So he's got that 70-grade fastball. But he's also got phenomenal control, a great slider. Uh, he's working on a changeup. You know, in limited... And I say limited because he only uh, he only pitched uh, 90 innings. They kept him they they kept him under a short leash. He kept 90 innings. He went Cedar Rapids between Cedar Rapids and Fort Myers last year. Uh, he went nine and three with a 1.89 ERA, uh, collecting 90 strikeouts and only walking uh, 15. Now this year they're going to start him out in Double A along with the likes of Stephen Gonzalez, who we just spoke of who is, again, is that Brad's uh, number one prospect for the Twins, and my number two, but either way, one, two, I guess it doesn't really matter at this point. Uh, they're going to be vying, they're, they're vying for time. Uh, whoever pitches, if, if Fernando Romero is the ace that everybody thinks he's going to be, he could see time in the big leagues in September. Yes, he could. Now, my... Now my I wouldn't bet on that. If I was in Vegas and I was putting odds on it, I'd say more likely he's going to pitch a full year, you know, three quarters of a year there, and then maybe get some time in AAA. It all depends on what happens with, you know, someone who coming off an injury, uh, Phil Hughes, uh, Berrios. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of things that are going to happen. But if he's dominant then he could see time. I mean, why not? You don't need AAA if you're dominant at AA. And he's got all the all the makings of a number one type pitcher. But right now, let's be realistic. We're going to say that, okay, the reins are off. He's healthy. He's going to get the innings that he needs to pitch. I could see him going solid, and he'll end up at least, at minimum, AAA, if not a, a touch of a of a call up in September. No, I, I think that's a very fair look, and, and so with that, uh, that'll take us to five and six, and we'll we'll detail more of the top uh, top you know ten to fifteen. Obviously, we'll we'll move quicker you know through a little bit of the of the remainder list. Obviously, to get you guys to the thirty, um, you know, five and six are two pitchers that obviously both have you know major potential for this organization, and in two different ways. Um, and really in, in two different ways, the way that they came into the organization and where it's going to kind of lead out. Number five is Tyler J, who came into this organization as a top draft pick as a starter out of college. And now the Twins... Well, he was a relief pitcher out of college. Well, yeah, sorry, he's a relief pitcher out of college, but the, the Twins at first looked that they were going to kind of utilize him as a starter. 
And then they've since went, wait a second, no. The the best route for him is, is probably not only to be as a as a reliever, but as a closer. They really have now decided that this guy is probably a closer of the the you know the of the future for them. And obviously that means the next few years. It's not right away, but it's still a guy that they look at with his stuff, with his makeup. This guy is gonna be a bullpen arm for them in the future. He's gonna get a big chance this year because he's basically going to be looked at to be the closer at Chattanooga at double-A. And that's, you know, as we've talked about many, many times before, that's the place, you know, where, you know, it's not triple-A, it's double-A where you're you're getting the look, you're getting, you know, the opportunity to, to make that hay, if you will, to, you know, to do that damage. And, you know, they're, they're going to give him a, a pretty solid opportunity at Chattanooga to, to really, you know, be a closer down there and see what he can do. You know, in that, those pressure situations at the back end of ball games, and with Jay's stuff, we you know we know about what he's got. We've talked about his you know his three pitch repertoire at least, and he could you know he could work on more. But as a closer, I would really say for him, I'd almost narrow it down. He doesn't need to have three pitches. He really only needs to have two. It just needs to be a dominating fastball. And then whatever second pitch. He well, wants. he's got that slider. He he's basically and, and a younger fu- version of Glenn Perkins. And that's fine as long as. And it, that's that's just fine. I mean, he's got a ninety-eight mile an hour fastball, and he's got a hard slider. And whatever. So he, he's basically another version of Perkins, Brad. And, and Darryl, so if he can come out and do that, I think everybody's gonna be happy, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Whatever you want, whatever your second, you know, some guys that are closers. Will, well, that, that that is his plus pitch. Well, right, and some closers will, you know, every closer number one has to have a fastball. I mean, every every closer. I don't know about it. Yeah. I don't remember any closers in the last ten years that were, you know, that were dominant save guys that didn't have heat because that's the one thing. You're coming out in the ninth inning. You're fresh. The hitters are not. They they've. You know, they've been swinging, you know, three, four at-bats already, depending on how long a game has went. You have to have, you know, some solid heat. But, Absolutely. But the other thing is you can't be a one-trick pony. You've got to have a good second pitch. And you're, you know, now some closers, they'll have a devastating changeup as their second pitch. And that, you know, if you throw a 95 to a guy and then spin him back at 78, that's brutal. Timing, just timing-wise, it's, it's, it's tough to, you know, some guys – as a closer, we'll or have a, a cutter or a cutter. That's the second pitch I was going to say. As a cutter, it, it doesn't have a lot of the speed off it, but it's the same arm action. And all of a sudden, that ball's got different spin movement. Now you can be a guy like Tyler J. Or that second pitch is a devastating slider to where you're seeing 95, 95, and then all of a sudden you got a ball that just falls off the plate. And, you know, and so whatever you uh, you as a closer want your second pitch to be, that's fine. It can be a changeup. It can be a slider. It can be a cutter. It's just that it has to be a solid, a solid, like you said, a plus second pitch because it's got to be something that it's going to back your, your fastball up so that guys just can't go, well, you know what? His second pitch he can't throw for crap. So he's going to have to come back and give me one of those fastballs, and I'm going to get it. And, you know, No, with Tyler J, he's got that, that plus second pitch. It is that slider, and that's what the, that's what the Twins want to see him use this year, closing games for Chattanooga. They're, they want to see that two-pitch makeup. Now, we go from that to a guy who's a starter, a potential starter that's got a four-pitch makeup, and that's Cole Stewart. And this is a guy that, you know, Twins fans have been waiting for for a while. Heck, the Twins front office has been waiting for for a while. There's been injuries involved. There's been other, you know, you know, obviously other guys in terms of getting in front of him involved. But this is a guy that the Twins are are starting to go. Now is the time. You know, it it you know it, it's not soon. It, it's sooner than later. 
not later than sooner. They're they're expect- well now is the average time, right? Well, for Cole he was drafted at thirteen, I understand, but for Cole Stewart, I think the Twins front office is no longer. And remember, the the, the draft in twenty thirteen really to me, and really to the guys running this club, doesn't mean a damn thing anymore because Derek Falvey wasn't here in twenty thirteen. Thad Levine right. wasn't well, none here. None of these players mean anything except for Justin Haley. Well, and no, but what? No, I, I mean I, these guys mean something. But what I what I mean by that is, is Derek and and Thad aren't worried about. Well, we you know these guys are drafted twenty. They're not worried about where their draft status was three years ago because right. they weren't the ones that drafted them. What they're looking at is okay. This guy's been in their organization for three, going on four years. Is this guy going to progress, or is he not? That's really what Derek and Thad are starting to look at now is, okay, you've been in this organization on your fourth season now. You're at double A. Is this the year you're going to move up? Or is this the year you're going to flush yourself out of the organization? Because I'll be honest, fourth year, if you're in your organization for now four years, you know, counting this year, their fourth season, and you're at double A, I'm sorry, but for most organizations, they will start looking at you and going, this is make or break year. You neither need to show us you're going to come from double-A and either at least go to triple-A, if not come up, or you're just going to be that level at double-A. And at that point, the organization starts going, you're going you're gonna to wash yourself out, and that's fine. And they, you know, I hate to say it, it. It sounds cold, but it's the reality of the situation. Well, you see that in all players. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, and, and, and Derek and Thad and you know, Levine and Falvey aren't going to worry about the fact of where Stewart was drafted three years ago, they're not going to care that he was a, you know, whether I mean, I'm, I'm, and for any player, they're not going to care whether they were. It doesn't first, make second. them look bad. No, they, they have nothing. They have no skin in that game at all. All their all their job is now is to get this ball club back to a winning club, and with whatever players in the organization are there, or if they have to keep drafting, and you know they get to draft in in April. You know, this is where in April, Falvey and Levine will get to put April their... April is when they come out and show their stuff. Well, they get to put their first stamp on the organization and say, these right. are our guy too, you know, or our five guys. And, you know, so, or, you know, you know, ten, I mean, the draft is longer than that. But, I, you know, I mean, this is where they get Figure to start, out. you know, putting their, you know, stamp on it. So, with Cole, I think this is a make or break year. I think if he has to really, I mean, he has to dominate this year at double A. Because if he doesn't, I mean, this... This organization, you know, the the tie there to keep hanging on and hanging on is going to start wearing down and wearing down because he's going to start having other guys that are going to start moving up through Cedar Rapids. Well, and he's done well. He's just it's at strikeout ratio. But he, this is the year that he has to he has to meet. Right. The, he's got. But he, you he, know. he he's getting results, and no one can doubt that he's getting results. It's just, but I think I think what people want to see is that strikeout ratio. That, that's just it. He, he's you're right. He's getting results, but what people are you know what the I mean, front he's office getting great results. Let's be honest, he's getting great results. But what the front office people is, people want to see the strikeout ratio. Exactly. That's what this front office is going to start looking at. Going, yeah, you've gotten those results, but is this are the results you we want? Ninety two innings pitched last year. He only gave up four home runs. But you have to look at too, Daryl. Pretty good. What? You know, we think those are decent results, and they are. They're, I mean, they're they're good numbers. Those are phenomenal results. But what? But he's the, not getting the strikeout. But he's not he's not striking out people. And those may be the results that a you know uh uh Thad Levine and a Derek Falvey are looking for. Is okay. Right. When are those results going to appear? And I think they're they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt for the first half of the season at least, if not the whole year. But if they if you get to July, and those results are starting to not show up. That's where you're going to have to start wondering, 
are these guys going to pass him by with other players? And we'll talk about who some of those players could be, especially as we talk about you know some of our guys here near in the top ten. Um, I know we have number eight on our list. I want you to take seven and nine. I want to take eight off the list for right now, only because Alberto Mieja was our number eight guy on the list. Right now, he's the number five starter in this organization. He he's he's a Minnesota Twin. He's to me. I want to just I don't I don't want to place him in this in this list anymore because I don't think he's a prospect anymore. I think now I mean he's I understand people could say well yeah he's he's just getting and there's here. a few guys we'll do that with yep. but I, I think he's here now so I think let's skip Alberto Mejia only on the aspect that we think he's going to be here for a little while we think he earned that fifth spot out of the rotation. I want you to talk about our, our number seven and nine guys. Well, we'll do uh, our uh, you know 2015 third round pick Travis Blackenhorn. Yes. Uh, you know, both a third base, second base kind of guy, uh, you know, who could also play the outfield. You know, he's got a good hit. He's got good power. You know, average hit, average power. He's not the fastest guy. You know, he really reminds me of a Morneau kind of guy. Uh, younger version, and we'll see what happens. He's got a couple more years till he gets here. You know, he's good defense. You know, nothing spectacular. He's a natural hitter. Uh, I like that he bats left because it's always good when he has a lefty. Uh, you know, he hit in the Appalachian League, you know, 297. Cedar Rapids, uh, 286 last year. He hit 10 home runs combined, 41 RBI. You know, he'll go to, he'll be in Cedar Rapids again, I'm sure, and probably end up in Fort Myers. And that seems about right for him. He's only 20 years old. If he does well there, that means that, 22 years old, he could really make a move. 23, he can make the team. Uh, but you never know. I mean, things happen. He can go faster. It just depends on how he develops. But he started out slow, and then he ended up fast last year, and we'll see what happens. But I think I, I like the pick. I think like he can play multiple positions. He can play, both again, both third and second, as well as outfield if needed. And how about uh, number nine on this list? And then number nine, yes. we got Felix Jorge, who was uh, – now, he's a guy that we both really like a lot. You know, signed in 2011. Now, the he's a guy that he just – he doesn't – he's not flashy. He doesn't have any it stuff, but he just gets it done. Uh, you know, his fastball sits at the low 90s. He's got a solid changeup. Uh, his control is pretty good. He's working on a slider, but it's not an out pitch or anything. He does get innings. Uh, last year in Fort Myers, he dominated like just about every uh, Twins minor league pitcher that was there. Dominated. He went nine and three with a very low one point five five ERA. Uh, he only walked uh, eleven and struck out seventy seven. He got to Chattanooga though, Brad, and he struggled. He struggled mightily. Uh, just the opposite, actually. Uh, again, he went nine and three with a one point five five in Fort Myers. He went three and five with a four twelve in Chattanooga. Now, this is a guy that is is known as control. He's known as getting guys out. He, he be, get. He's not a front line starter. He's a back end starter. Is what the Twins believe he'll be. Uh, now he's going to go to Chattanooga again. And I believe, in my opinion, he's going to spend the entire year in Chattanooga. Because not even if he does really, really great, I think there's too many 
frontline starters ahead of him. You know, we, we spoke about uh, Fernando Romero, uh, Gonzalez, uh, Barrios in AAA. I, I just, I don't see him getting a shot going to the bigs this year. If he goes to the bigs, it's going to be next year at some point. And it just depends on what their staff looks like, Brad. When you get to this point, he could be trade bait or it could be bullpen material as well. No, I, I agree with your take on, on, on both those aspects with, you know, looking at, at Felix. I mean, there, there's the options for him are kind of, you know, kind of endless yet. I mean, because there's obviously, like you mentioned, there's, you know, the options for him moving up. There's the, the trade options. I, I do like what he, you know, what he brings. Like you said, he, he, it's not, it's not, you know, plus out the charts at anything, but he does everything solid. And sometimes that's kind of like a Brad Racky. And sometimes that's enough well, though. He's just, he does everything good. He's not great. He's not spectacular at any one thing. He just does everything good. And sometimes that's enough. You know, I mean, that's, you know, absolutely. You put that, that whole package together and sometimes that is, that is enough to, you know, so let's looking at moving from Felix, you know, we'll kind of, We'll kind of you know slide through this list pretty quickly here. We have at yep. ten or eleven. We have uh, Lewin Diaz, uh, who are, are uh, from Cedar Rapids, and will probably have a chance to make himself you know by the end of the year in, into Fort Myers. So, or Double A, yeah, and, or even Double A. The way he right? hit, yeah, I know the way he hit. You're right. Chattanooga could you know could be a stop for him by the end of the season as well. And then yep. uh, and then number eleven, our man uh, J T. Shagwa out of Rochester. I mean for J T. You know, I mean, I don't want to, you know, too long delve into this, but for him, it, it, it's all up to him. I mean, at this point, you know, the organization knows what he's got in terms of straight, you know, physical skill set, you know, it, plus fastball. He's got at least one other, you know, one other pitch. I mean, what would you say? I mean, would you say he's got a second plus pitch? I mean, I'm not, not yeah, his slider. His slider is a second. I mean, his his uh, fastball grades out as high as anybody's. Uh, he can he can damn near touch a uh, hundred. His slider is his next best, and it's not even close. Uh, it's his control, Brad. It's exactly. But it. you know, Seth over at uh, at Twins Daily has him as as their preseason uh, relief pitcher of the year, if you will, uh, for the Twins, and they're calling that even though there's he's starting down in AAA. Well, because they believe like I do, and I think you do as well, at some point in time, he's going to come up, and he's he may not be the closer right away, but he has the closer mentality. But like you were saying as we started, he just has to put it together. It's up to him. He has the makeup. He has to put it together. You know, I, I, I'll look at it this way. I mean, you can have the makeup. You can have the, you know, the mentality. You can have all that. But at the end of the day, all that doesn't matter. If you can't actually command, you know, if you can't actually command the fastball, if you can't actually command the pitches, because here's the here's the whole mindset on that. You you can have the makeup and you can have the moxie and you can have the I want to go out there and I want to be the guy in the ninth inning. But if you can't actually on a consistent basis put the baseball where you want it to be, the skipper is not going to give you the opportunity to to go out there and do it because he needs to know that whoever he's going to put out there on a you know a damn near nightly basis is going to be the guy that's going to you know if he's putting you out there in the ninth inning in a in a one or two run ball game he needs to know that that guy's locking that game down 
you know, 90% of the time. You don't see closers that are successful have 60% save rates. I mean, it, it, it's just not the way it works. So I think Shaguar is going to have to show at Rochester on a consistent basis, hey, I can control this fastball. Right. I can, you know, I can go save three games a week. Because that's, that's what you, if you're winning at the major league level, if you, if you have a chance to win, you know, three or four games in a week, you are asking your closer to go two to three games and go out there and get saves. I mean, that's just, you know, so I think the, I think the Twins, I mean, d- does he have a chance to come up here yet this year and be a, a integral part of the bullpen? Yeah, I'm not going to say there's no way that's, you know, that's, that's not possible. But what I'm going to say is he's going to have to show a heck of a lot of control improvement before they're going to really bring him back up here and expect that he's going to be an, a very integral, regular part of this bullpen. Otherwise, they're going to go with what they have now. And people can, you know, say, well, that's how's that much better? Well, they could count on Brandon Kensler most nights right now. They've got Ryan Presley. They've, you know, they've got some, you know, Taylor Rogers is looking like he's going to be a very solid young arm in this bullpen. They've got guys that, you know, it, it, what it becomes with a manager is who you start feeling comfortable you can count on. And to break that spell or to get into that ring, you got to show the skipper that you're going to, you're, you know, you're going to be more comfortable counting on me. So Shagwa is going to have to show that in AAA first before the skipper and the, the pitching coaches up here are going to feel, okay, we'll be comfortable with you as well. So that's, you know, that's, you know, it could happen. I think it's going to be interesting to see, put it that way. Now we look at number 12 and 13. We'll move through those pretty quickly because I'm going to give you 14 and 15 because those guys are guys that I think are going to have bigger impacts on the club this year. Uh, 12 and 13 are, are, uh, the catcher, Ben Wortbelt, who's going to be in Cedar Rapids this year. I think he's probably going to be in Cedar Rapids a good chunk of this year. Will it be all the year? I think it's going to depend on his, on, on his offensive prowess. I think defensively, he could probably go catch in, in Fort Myers right now. But it's, it's, it's going to be what he can show them in terms of his offensive, you know, you know, just, just you know, growing in the game, his offensive improvement. Is just, you know, just how you start seeing, you know, pitching at that, at that A level. And is it good enough that he starts hitting well enough that he can move to to Fort Myers by the end of the year? If as bad as is is decent at all, defensively, like I said, I think he could be catching in Fort Myers right now. So, Wortbelt's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, Lamonte Wade, who is with the the Lookouts this year, we've loved Lamonte ever since we started watching him at at uh, Cedar Rapids. I mean, for Lamonte, the sky's really the limit. He's 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 hit well at every level that he's been at so far. Um, his defense is, is is amazing. I mean, to me, I mean, I, and I I don't want to say this too early to start getting comparisons because I know I'm going to say this and now I'm going to get comparisons. It, his, his he defensively, he he's almost as good as Buxton, not quite, but it is amazing how good Wade is defensively. He's fast. I mean, he he gauges balls well in the outfield. Offensively, the guy's showing a talent. If he can put a solid double a season together in 2017 where he he keeps you know flashing that that defense and can put up another offensive season like he did in fort myers and in cedar rapids i think it's really going to grab the twins and make him take notice i think it's going to start making a lot of people take notice and he might be a commodity that the twins are going to have to decide is he worth more to to trade or hold on to and i think really that's going to be his 2017 I want to give you number 14 and 15, then we'll kick through the, the back end of the list a little bit quicker. But 14 and 15, Daryl, have a lot of potential in the 2017 piece of the Twins 
And so I want you to talk about those two. Well, the first one is is Daniel Polka, and you know you're right. He's got he's just he's ready and Willie, and he's he's just ready to be that outfield. He's a uh, he could be a corner outfield. He could be a DH. He could be a first baseman. Uh, he's he's going to be sitting at Rochester this year. We know that he's got the power last year because he led the Twins uh, in home runs last year uh, with 34. Uh, he had 90 RBI. Did strike out 186 times and only walked 56. And combined between uh, Chattanooga and Rochester, you know, he was 254. So he doesn't have, you know, the average. He, he's at he's that new type of player where you swing for the fences, you strike out a lot, but if you hit a whole lot of home runs. So he is a DH in my mind. Uh, he's going to be there. And again, he's just, it's, if there's an injury, uh, and we're going to be talking about this uh, in a little bit about, you know, the DH position, it's kind of, it's kind of stacked right now because you got a guy named Park and Vargas uh, that are, that are there in AAA as well. So, but he can play again, first base, again, another, that's another position that's full. He could play outfield right now. That's a position that's full uh, with another triple A guy that could play another uh, outfield position, but he's got the power. He's got, he's got everything to make up. He's MLB ready. So he's ready to go and he'll start out in triple A. He'll be ready to go when the twins need him, and he'll see some big league time this year. The next guy we have uh, at at 15, and that's Mitch Garver. Do you want to talk about him, Brad? Because he's uh, kind of your guy. Oh, you can take him. You can take Garver. Well, Mitch Garver, I thought he would make uh, may make the squad right out of spring training, and he didn't. Uh, he's been working on. He's been known as an offensive catcher first, then def- defense. He's going to go to Triple A as well, and he's ready. I mean, he's going to be ready as fast as anybody. It's something you you have your catcher, Castro, uh, but as soon as something happens or once he proves himself, he's going to be the guy that steps up and does it. We know that he can hit the long ball. We know that he can hit for average, and we know that he's got the arm and he's been working with the pitcher so he can do all that. He's last year, hey Brad, if you remember, he hit the solid two seventy. Now he had 257 in Chattanooga, 329 in Rochester. He had 12 home runs and drove in 74. The guy's ready. He's ready to make it. Uh, it's now or never for him, and he knows it's now. You know, he's 26 years old. This is his time. He's gonna get a shot. I guarantee. Before the end of the summer, by June, July, he's up. And with a big league club. And so how does he get his shot? I mean, is it, it you know, he's going to be a backup. He's going to be a backup. So if Sentinel or Castro get hurt, then obviously he's the next guy up. Cause John Ryan Murphy, as great as he is, uh, at, uh, pitch framing, uh, he's just, he, he, he bats my daughter's weight. I mean, come on. He doesn't, he doesn't, his batting average just isn't there. But Jimenez can't a, handle Jimenez offensive a... thing. And, and honestly, with the improvement that Garver has made to his defense, he, he's got his offenses there. 
He can he can hit the ball. He can do everything he needs there. So it's going to take, if he's hitting lights out in AAA, and one of the two catchers, and now Castro's going to be there. So if the backup catcher isn't doing what they hope, because I think that he's just a bridge, then it's going to be, uh, it's it's going to be our guy Mitch. But Jimenez is their backup catcher right now, and he shows some flexibility. Yeah, that's what I meant, Jimenez. Yeah. I said, I said, said that's no, okay. my bad. No. I think Jimenez. But he shows some flexibility at first base. He can play a couple positions. So well, and we've seen and Garver's played first base before. No, I know. So that's that's what I was gonna, first base no, that's is kind of used up right now. But that's what I was going to ask you: Would Garver have that same flexibility if needed? And I think he would because okay. he's played first okay. base before. He's talented enough where he can do that. He's he's done it before. Now this is back, you know, this is obviously not at the MLB level, in the minor league level, but he has played first base before. So he can do that. So he does offer that as another out. But you know what? In a month or two, we don't know what the lineup's going to look that's like very, because of what other DHs are going to be coming up. I mean, it's just, it's really, I mean, if that's, Polka that's comes up, point. well, then that could influence who they take at catcher. I mean, because they're, they're so deep in DH and first base right now. No, that's, that's a, that's a very good point indeed. So we're going to, we're going to buzz through the last, the last 15 of this a little quicker, only because we want to get you guys to the, the, uh, in the dugout segment, where we're going to talk a little bit about the, the first couple of games of twins baseball so far this week. So, we're gonna. I'm gonna take five. Daryl's gonna take five. We're gonna split the last five up. So our, Go ahead. our number sixteen guy, Nick Birdie. You know who he is. Obviously, another another relief arm that we want to see come out of Chattanooga this year. A lot of that, obviously, Nick coming back from injury. You know, he's gonna he's gonna get a chance, but it might be as a setup guy to Tyler J. Even though Nick's been in the organization longer, it's just what's happened due to injury and due to the way that you know things have progressed. Uh, number seventeen, Wander Javier. Who you know is extended spring training right now, but he's a talent that the Twins you know like are looking at, and this is a guy that you know in a couple of years could be a name that really, you know, really starts getting you know hotly thrown around out there. Uh, number eighteen, Lewis Thorpe. Again, you guys know this guy coming back from Tommy John. Um, we'd like to see you know Lewis right now is an extended spring training. We don't know where he's going to lay out yet. Um, it could be Fort Myers. Uh, you know. I mean, God, it could be. I mean, it could be one of. It could be three different places right now. I mean, it's really. It's going to be depending on where the Twins really see him. You know, laying out. They still like him. They don't want to give up on him yet. And it's still a solid starting pitching arm. Uh, number nineteen, uh, Trevor Hildenberger will start the season in Rochester. I really think that's the best place for Hildenberger right now because he's probably going to start. If it, if he'd have been in Rochester or in Chattanooga, he would have been assigned a setup role. Because obviously in Rochester, the Twins want to see Shagwar get save opportunities to see if, you know if he can click there and then move on. If Hildenberger would have been in Chattanooga, he'd have been behind Jay, who they want to see get save opportunities. And I'd rather Hildenberger be in that spot in Rochester because there's a better chance Shagwar gets called back up before this you know the season is done, heck, before maybe even you know the All Star break, and that would move Hildenberger into being the closer in Rochester. I don't see Tyler J being called up this year realistically. Now, maybe, you know, on a September big call-up, maybe if he really blew, you know, the, the Southern League off their tail. But otherwise, right. I don't really see that happening. So it would be a better shot 
for Hildenberger to get the opportunities in Rochester to close some games out. And we don't know. I mean, Hildenberger could do so. He could be so impressive as setup. He could be. He could get the nod over. And that's you're right. That's he could get the nod over. You know, and number twenty, Jake Reed, who's also going to be down there in Rochester. It's going to be a heck of a bullpen in Rochester. I mean, I mean, you got a hell of a bullpen because yeah. you're not even done yet with bullpen. I know, and I don't. I'm not even sure if I'm a hitter. I want to play Rochester from the sixth inning on. I'm, I'm praying that like their starters. It's, it's like the Royals a couple years ago. Yeah, you're almost, you're almost like, oh, let their starter go eight because you're hoping the starter runs out of gas after six, and you're getting because you don't want to get what you could get in that Rochester bullpen seven, eight, and nine because it could literally be. You know, Jake Reed, Trevor Hildenberger, or Trevor Hildenberger, Jake well, Reed. You might as well take number twenty-one then. Well, well, no, that's not a, but that's not a bullpen though. Yes, it is. Oh, I'm you sorry. I'm Ma- sorry. I'm Mason. sorry. I was looking at twenty-two. I apologize. Yeah, and twenty-one is Mason Melatakis. So literally, even at <laughs> even at at Rochester, if Glenn can only get five innings a night out of a starter, he could literally come at people six through nine with Melatakis. Jake Reed, Trevor Hildenberger, and JT Shagwa. And, I mean, that... That's a scary bullpen. That, that's a rough four innings, man. And as a hitter, you're only going to get to see maybe each of them once. Maybe you get to see one of them. You know, maybe you'd get to the lineup twice, but you'd still only see each of those guys once. So you'd be yeah. seeing different stuff from Melatakis, hard thrower, Jake Reed, hard thrower. Hildenberger, all hard throwers. All hard, Hildenberger has a nice little mix of stuff, still hard thrower, and then and you have that sidearm action. And then of course, you know, um, you know, our, our man Shagwad, you know, you know, Blaze Heat. I mean, yeah, that's that's a that's a tough mix of a of a of a bullpen, you know, down in, in Rochester. So I mean I think that's gonna give Glenn a lot of, you know, flexibility in what he wants to do down there, and he's gonna give a chance to I think Gene Glenn is also gonna give guys down there a chance to show themselves to Falvey and Levine. Here, you're gonna get your shot. You're going to get your shot against some pretty good talent in the International League. You know, the, the Yankees in Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, there, there are some teams that run some pretty good talent up at, at that double-A level just because they have enough of it that they can move it up to that double-A or that triple-A level, excuse me. And I think, that the, you know, these four arms are going to get a shot. To, and I think it also may turn into a nice little battle down there between these four arms. You know, there's going to oh start God, to be some competition, man, when, you know, guys are going to, especially if Glenn decides out of the gate, Daryl, that not one of them has that closer spot locked down, and he's going to let three or four of them battle to see who deserves to get save opportunities. And maybe Glenn goes, hey, I'm going to bullpen it by committee. And I'm going to let, you know, maybe one night, you know, and maybe depending on the matchup, he's going to let different guys get save opportunities. I think this could turn into a nice little, you know, nice little personal battle between Well, we talked about Jay as the closer in Chattanooga, but don't forget you got Nick Birdie down there, uh, and he was out with a bruised bone last year. But he's just as capable as any of them in double A AA or triple A. Well, and that could be double so A. Another, I mean, that's another one that is going to be fighting for it. I and mean, there's a lot of flamethrowers out there that are fighting for that same spot. And, it's and a that's good, a spot in the big league bullpen. And it's a good point with Birdie that you said double or triple A, too, because Birdie could be moved up to triple A this year, depending on. Easily, real quick. So, yeah, that's. So now let's. It's just a matter of because he missed so much time last year, I believe. That's why. He got neglected to, or he got put in double A rather than triple A. So I'll let you take twenty two through twenty six, and then I'll round out the the last. Oh, you got okay. You got Zach. You got uh, Zach Granite, who really kind of flew up the radar uh, 
you know, his ETA realistically will be next year, but he's a 24 year old that was drafted in 2013 in the 14th round. Now he was the twins player of the year last year, uh, stealing 56 bases, uh, hitting a whopping 295. Uh, yeah, he hits for contact. He does everything great. He's the outfielder. He's my guy, Brad. Now he's in Triple A again. Now we're talking about Triple A. Another guy in Triple A that is ready to come and play when everybody. If someone gets hurt, uh, could he be? He's that fourth outfielder type. He he's got the speed. He's got the agility. He's got everything that it takes. The organization really likes Granite. They like what he brings. Uh, he was in Double A last year, and he just they they let him loose. They let him just run the bases, do what he can, and he led the entire minor league system in stolen bases. That's fun to see. Uh, after that, we got uh, now. You can help me out here. Is it Huscar? Uh, you know oh, the yeah. pitcher. Yeah, Huscar. Yeah, Huscar. You know. Yep. Okay, so we got ourselves a GSL uh, pitcher. He's gonna see. You know, the best thing he sees this year is E-Town. And, you know what, he doesn't have anything really high-powering except for his fastball. He's got a nice fastball, and he's got a good changeup. His control is really good. Uh, but overall, he's only, uh, you know, right now an average pitcher, but he's young. He's only 18. We'll see what he gets. He'll be up in the, uh, he'll probably start out E-Town and then get to Cedar Rapids. Then we got uh, Jose Miranda. Uh, last year, he was picked in the second round. Uh, third baseman slash uh, shortstop. Now he's got a ways to go again. Good field, good arm. Uh, hits for average. You know, last year, you know, he didn't hit for average. He only hit 227. But again, we're going to spend time in E-Town this year. Probably hit Cedar Rapids. Uh, and that'll be it for this year. Again, but we're only 18 years old. We're going to take that. Young guy. And then number 26 is our outfielder that we took. Another 18-year-old guy. Bats left, throw left. Uh, Alex uh, Badu. Now, average guy and power guy. He kind of projects as one of the corner outfielders. Didn't hit much last year. Uh, again, only... Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, he hit uh, 178 and only a couple bombs. But they're going to turn him into a corner outfielder. I think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, he can be that 2020 guy. You know, he can be that guy like Jock Jones. You know, 20 stolen bases, uh, 20 home runs. And that's what they think that they got him to do. So we'll see what happens there. But here he'll start out E-Town. If not E-Town, it'll be Cedar Rapids. And then... Uh, from there, he'll we'll see how well he does and what's needed at that point. Very nice. So I will. And so, did you want uh, number twenty six as well? Yeah, I can go ahead with Lashawn Wells. I like the lefty. I know you uh, do. You got the uh, yeah. I like the Australian. So here we got the guy. Now he's been pitching really well. His ETA really realistically is a couple years from now. Uh, but I love the lefties because you, you can never have enough left-hand pitchers. Uh, you know, he throws for good contact. 
he he did you know he was six and four with a really low 1.77 ERA. Uh, good command. He's not a strikeout guy. He's more of a contact. But 66 uh, strikeouts, uh, 16 walks. He had a low batter's average against 218. Uh, you know the fastball is only that it's a low uh, 90s, but he's got a solid curveball, a solid changeup, and he's got excellent control. Uh, he's the type of guy that he's going to start out in Cedar Rapids, and I guarantee he'll be in Fort Myers. He'll probably pitch the majority of his season in Fort Myers, and then we'll take it after that. I like it. So with that, we'll we'll bring out the last four to run the list out here. Uh, uh, Randy Rosario, uh, another guy that we like as an arm, will be in Fort Myers this this season. Um, probably, I, I really see him only there for about half to two-thirds of the season because I see his other uh, promotions happen out of uh, Chattanooga. I think that's where Rosario then gets to move up there. Um, I think that means big things for Luis Arreyes, though, this year in Fort Myers. Another another arm that I think is going to get a full season in Fort Myers. I think it's good for him. I, I think, I, I, excuse me, not as an arm, but I mean as a player. Luis Arreyes is going to have a, a a full season in Fort Myers as a you know as a as an offensive force. Um, I mean, I mean, obviously at at uh, Cedar Rapids last year, he led the league in hitting. I mean, this is oh, a he's guy, amazing. Yeah, this is a guy that you know just showed up. You know. A guy like what I mean, like uh, I, was, I was referring to Rosario as a young guy that's going to get a chance to, you know, Rosario's a young kid. He's probably going to get a chance to move up to Chattanooga. I think for Reyes, though, I mean, only a year in Cedar Rapids. I think it's going to be a year for him in Fort Myers as well. But a full a full season, there's nothing in Fort Myers that's pushing him. He's going to get full playing time. There's nobody there that's going to be, you know, bumping him out of a way. And I think for Rosario – it's going to be the same thing in a sense that he's going to get the, the time he needs in Fort Myers. I think the difference there is Rosario, as a pitcher, is going to get the ability to move up to Chattanooga. I think for Arreyes, you know, Nick Gordon and some other, other prospects are going to hold Arreyes to, to Fort Myers for the season, but I think that's fine. I think for Arreyes, it's, it's going to be perfect. And if, if he can put up the numbers he put up in Cedar Rapids and play that defense, boy, in 2018 – He's definitely going to be a, a, a prospect that that lookouts fans in Chattanooga are going to love to see. And for the Twins, that only mean great. This guy is a you know a couple of years away from being a you know a, a definitely a you know an integral piece or at least a piece that's that's providing them some some solid benefit. Uh, a, a guy that I like though also as a middle infielder, Engel Bielma. And I mean, my goodness, um, a lot of speed. I mean, a lot of speed. This is a guy that gets on base can create some solid, solid havoc for pitchers. Uh, a, a good middle infielder. He can play second or short. The arm is there for both. Um, the bat's a little bit still a, a he little. He doesn't have much of a bat. Yeah, I don't want to say suspect, but it's still weak. I mean, it's definitely still. This is not a guy that you're going to go out and think he's going to hit like Jorge Polanco. No, it, that, that, that He might be the best fielder we have. He might be the best, yes. He might be the best you know, middle infield prospect in terms of fielding. You know, great point from Daryl. But, you know, from the offensive side of the plate, boy, I mean, it's going to be a little while before that, if that ever completely comes around. Um, you know, we'll, we'll wait to see. I think I think Chattanooga is going to be a big, you know, shaking, you know, ground for him, though, because if you can't hit in the Southern League, it's going to start to make the Twins brass wonder, you know, is this guy at best a utility 
excuse me, utility infielder, you know, that type of thing. And finally, Griffin Jacks, uh, you know, this is a guy to me that, you know, kind of a, you know, a, a wild card, a great number 30 guy on the list. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, this is a guy that definitely, you know, potential is there, but you're, you're talking a, a, a ways out yet. I mean, you know, definitely a, a ways out. That's a guy, you know, a guy that did pitch at Air Force. He's not young. In- well, and he's, he won't even pitch until the middle of the season because he is, uh, he is with the Air Force right now. Yeah, correct. So you won't, well, you won't see him until the air. But he was a third round pick, and he could be a guy that is in Fort Myers uh, this year because I, he did pitch a few years. I understand, but the fact that he's not going to start at E Town until June to make that jump by the end of the season to Fort Myers, I mean, that only gives him really. You have to remember. E-Town doesn't start pitching until the third week in June. Right. It, that's I'd say that's a that's a, a a pretty large jump for him to go there. I mean, he's not going to be in Cedar Rapids before July. There's no way. I mean, he can't be. I mean, E-Town won't even start throwing until the, you know he won't even start pitching, and he's going to have to get some starts there before they're going to bump him to Cedar Rapids. I'd say the earliest you're going to see him in Cedar Rapids is end of July, if that's the case. I don't think he gets to Fort Myers in a month. I just I think that's way too – A, it's way too quick for him. B, it's also doing somebody a, a disjustice that's already at Fort Myers. I think realistically what you'd like to see out of out of Jax this year is you'd like to see him pitch maybe through the end of July at, at uh, E-Town. And if he looked really good by then – and remember, that's only really going to be, Daryl, four starts. I mean – you're really, you're really kind of gauging a guy. I, I understand what he's done, you know, in college at, at Air Force. I understand, you know, the numbers look great there. But what you're gauging out of the Mountain West in college versus what you're seeing even at the rookie league, I think your scouts have. And and and, I, and I'm not in the best position to to make this judgment because I'm not somebody who scouts the Mountain West Conference, and I'm also not somebody who, on a regular basis, scouts, you know rookie league in the Appalachian League. If you're going to ask me straight out him coming into Cedar Rapids, I could say, hey, I watch enough baseball, you know, in in that rookie league at the day level where I could say, I think he needs gonna, he's going to need some time there. I think realistically what you'd want to see out of him is pitch into early August out of the Appalachian League, get four or five starts under your belt, look good enough that the Twins, you know, A, are confident in what you're doing. B, there's also been an opening by it early August, where somebody's moved up from Cedar Rapids to Fort Myers, give Jax a chance to come in there. I think the Twins can't worry about the fact that he's 23, 24, you know, or 21, excuse me, 22. I think they're going to have to just, they're going to have to, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I think they have to move him along at the right rate, and I think that really is, you know, uh, you know, end of July before he moves to Cedar Rapids, probably pitches, you know, remember, for Cedar Rapids, that's only going to be them playing until early September, depending on playoffs and whatnot. So that's only going to be another four starts, maybe five in Cedar Rapids. I'd say that's, I think that's the best thing for him. And then now next year, we can look at his at his performance and go, okay, we saw this in E-Town. We saw this in Cedar Rapids. Now, okay, you're going to be ready to maybe, you know, start the season in, in Fort Myers and let's see what you can do from there. But I think with only him getting eight to nine starts under his belt in, you know, the Twins minor league system, 
I think him ending up in Cedar Rapids, and I don't, I don't think it's any shame for him. I don't think it's any, you know, I think it's just that's the... No, no, you're right. It's not any shame. He's got four usable pitches, and, you know, let's see what he does this year, because you're right, uh, 2018 will be a better... Uh, I think, yes, I think it's just... A better a, calling for him. I mean, I think, we, we don't really expect him. He's only 22. I think there's you a know, lot more time for him in 2018 to really, you know, get to show, who, you know... And by 2019 is probably realistically when we can maybe plan on seeing him. And look at this way, too. By 2018, you're going to have a spot or two in Fort Myers open up. I mean, because you're, you're going to have spots in Chet. You know, as, as you know, it's the it's the kind of the, you know, the everything rolls downhill. So well, I mean, let's see what happens with the first round pick this year. And the, there's going to be a lot of things. We'll also this year. And a lot of things that can happen. Look what will happen in Chattanooga. You'll, you know, you'll Gonsalves will most likely move out of there. Sleegers will. I mean, you're, you're going to have Paul guys. Stewart's going yeah. to. Tyler Jay's going to be out of you know, there. Guys will, a lot of people yeah, guys will move out of there, and that'll give opportunities for, and that'll give opportunities for guys like Rosario. Um, you know, I mean, guys to move or out whoever's of, drafted. But I mean, even for guys to move out of Fort Myers, it'll give Randy Rosario right. a chance to move out of Fort Myers. You know, it'll it'll open up spots in the Miracle, and if if Jacks can get four or five starts in E Town, you know, in our four starts or so, maybe five if he gets lucky in, you know, depending on the, the schedule in Cedar Rapids, that might be enough then for the Twins to look at least go, okay, you might start in Cedar Rapids in 2018, but our our mindset is that by the, you know, third way to the halfway point, you're going to be moved up to, you know, to Fort Myers, and then we'll see what you got from there. So with that, that rounds out our 30. I think it's a pretty good list. I think it's a very fun list. I think it's a list that, you know, if you guys want it, we'll also post it up on the on the Facebook page and the the Talking Twins website as well. On the website, we'll post it within the the um, the link of the of the audio. So when you go out to the Talking Twins website, if you're listening to the podcast there, we'll post it right in the actual the the article notes of the the show itself. If you're going to go check it out on on Facebook on our Facebook page, we'll actually post it out as a separate link there, only because we keep the each. Uh, each episode, you know, pinned up to the top of the page. So we'll throw it kind of in those notes. We'll also throw it out there and we'll, you know, let you guys have some feedback, you know, on it as well. You know, you guys can tell us you don't like a certain prospect at a certain spot. You can, you know, you guys, you know, whatever feedback you want to give us on the top 30, you can as well. So with that, that'll round up our, our, our down the farm segment. That means we'll take a little break, but we'll come right back to finish up the show with the in the dugout segment. We'll talk about what we saw over the uh, first couple of games of the the Twins season here in 2017 as they are 2-0 and against the Kansas City Royals. We'll talk about the good things we saw, a couple of the maybe things that weren't so good that we saw, and overall what we're looking at for the, the next week or so until we talk to you guys then. So hang around, guys. We'll be right back for the In the Dugout segment here on Talking Twins. This is Shoes from Three Guys Talking, and you're listening to Talking Twins here on the 4D Podcast Network. Hey guys, we're back here on Talking Twins, and it's time now for our In the Dugout segment, where we're going to talk about uh, Twins baseball over the past week, and obviously now with not only opening day gone by, but the second game of the series as well gone by against the Kansas City Royals. Uh, there are some you know good things we want to talk about. Obviously, the Twins are 2-0, and so you can find a lot of good things in, in that. We'll obviously talk about the final game of the series as well, and then obviously we'll, we'll talk about what the Twins have to deal with on the road trip as they'll take a little... Six games spin on the road after that before they'll come back to to Target Field. So, you know, looking at the two and zero start, obviously some you know some things have jumped out there that have been nice. 
Uh, Urban Santana put up a beautiful start at home at Target Field on the on opening day. Twins grabbed a nice 7-1 to win against the Royals. Uh, and then, of course, on Wednesday afternoon at Target Field, it continued against the Royals as, as uh, Hector Santiago threw a nice five innings and still got the, the Twins to the bullpen where they were able to finish off a game in even more solid fashion, 9-1. to And, and Daryl, you know, we, we talked about this, you know, off the air. We'll, we'll start to talk about the good things now. Um, first two things that I that I saw right away that jumped out at me that, that I liked, you know, I know it's early, it's too... You know they're two and zero. I'm not. We're not jumping on the. You know they're going to the World Series this year bandwagon. I'm not. You know, <laughs> we're, I'm. I'm not. I haven't drank that much. Not I, quite yet. I won't be this evening. But um, I mean, you know, the first couple things that I saw that were nice were the uh, the 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 plate presence in terms of walkout to strike ratio in two games. This Twins club has already taken 16 walks, seven on Monday and nine uh, on Wednesday today. I, 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 you know, versus 11 strikeouts, I thought that was very nice. The fact that you're starting to see more guys get themselves on base to allow other guys to actually hit them in versus, you know, we, we talked about this a lot last year. You, you looked at Brian Dozier had over 20 home runs last year that were solo shots out of that 43 homer total because people weren't getting on base. Everybody was going up there with the mentality of, you know, I need to swing for left field at target field where it was nice to see that over the past two games, you know, 16 walks to 11 strikeouts, guys getting on base, and those walks were spread out in games. You know, in, in, the, in the home opener, the seven walks were spread out amongst, you know, six players. I mean, that's, that's nice. It wasn't one guy, you know, that was doing it all. Now, on Wednesday's game, there were still, you know, six players spreading it out. Jason Castro did get walked four times, but to Castro's credit, he took the four walks. Then he also scored two runs. So it obviously helped getting himself on the bag because he did get driven home. The other thing that I saw that, that I thought was really was really a, a very positive output was the actual RBI numbers, the run production. You look at, again, in that, that, that Monday game where they scored seven runs, the RBIs came from five different players. So it wasn't one guy driving in you know, four runs and somebody else driving in two and one guy just snuck a final RBI in. You know, it was it's it's a number of guys. Today's game with the nine runs, same thing. You know, you had you had you know Escobar the three run homer driving in four. You'd have Sano driving in three. So not quite as spread, but still guys getting on base overall. A more balanced offense, which they they need that this year. It can't be all we're going to rely on. You know, Brian Dozier and Miguel Sano every day. It, it, that's not going to work. You're going to have to have other guys chip in. But also the mindset of we're going to have to just get on base, and if we keep putting guys on the bases, eventually we're going to, you know, good things are going to happen. I mean, we're, you know, they're just flat out going to. You keep throwing guys on the bags, eventually, you know, good things are going to happen. You're going to start getting guys home. Those were the pluses. Now I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll let you jump in here. Your take, but yeah, and there's a couple pluses here. Is that uh, the pitching so far? Uh, only five walks in the first two games, like you just said, that they they took 16 based on balls. They only gave up five. They struck out 11, uh, or they took 11 strikeouts, you know, compared to 11 strikeouts. Uh, they struck out 13 opposing batters and only walked five. So right now, early on, 
both starting and uh, the bullpen have their control, and that's a good thing. The other good thing that you want to say is that, you know what, they're throwing over the plate. They're saying, okay, hit it. Throw it over the plate. Don't walk the batter. Hit it and let the my infielders and defense do their thing. And right now, it's only, again, only two games in, but zero errors and 11 assists. So they're doing their job on the defensive end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The defense, uh, solid. I'm missing, obviously, obviously. Solid right now. Early on, again, we're looking for the sweep uh, with Gibson going on Thursday. But so it's early on. But so far, this is what you want to see out of your team. I mean, definitely, you know, Buxton made a couple of nice plays in, in center field Monday. You had uh, Escobar making, you know, a nice play late in the game uh, on Wednesday. Um, I mean, there, yeah, definitely, you know, you know, definitely been some, you know, some solid defense. It's been a well-team-played game. Obviously, you know, one of the negatives that has jumped out at us, you know, Buxton was six strikeouts already in two games. You'd like to see that number calm down a little bit because you, you, you definitely – he. I mean, and, and, you know, obviously you can hide those numbers a little bit when you're winning 7-1 to one and 9-1, to one, but there's going to be points in the season, obviously. Well, you can't because, you know, you're the number one pick. You're the first pick, second round, or second overall pick in the first round. But I'll say this, though. The numbers get hidden a little more when you, they, they do. I mean, the when numbers. you win, yes, you do. You and know. you make the great defensive plays. But I was going to follow that up with where you were going, and that is that you're not always going to be able to hide those numbers because not every game is going to be 7-1, to 9-1. to one. You're going to no, need. And when you see that, the only player that doesn't have an extra base hit, the only player that is striking out more than twice, right? the only player that's doing X, Y, or Z negative is the guy that you want to see uh, do well because he's supposed to be the one that turns the team around. And he's not. Now, there's a lot of players on this team. Sano, Kepler, I mean, Burials, who hasn't even hit it yet. Polanco, that can help turn the team around. But, but when you're a second overall pick, I will you're s- supposed to be that guy like uh, Trout. I will say this, though. Bryant. I really, I really have kind of questioned the fact that the first two games in this series, Mahler is hitting him third. I, I don't understand why Stupid. I don't understand why you thought Buxton was a three hitter. He's not. It, his game isn't a three hitter. I mean, this is a guy that no, his, he's a one or two or seven, eight or nine. His game is predicated on either getting the ball on the ground via bunt or you know a, a, a grounder to the right, you know, to the right side of the left side of the infield, beating out throws or you know. You know, singles and things, you know. I mean, I understand that they think he's going to be a 20 home run hitter, and, and he still does have that power. That Eventually, yep. Yeah, that's still, that's still there. The possibility is still there, yes. But right now, if you came to me and, and took away his face and took away his name and said, here's his numbers, would you bat this guy three in the lineup? I'd say, well, no, there, there's, there's not a chance I'd bat this guy three in the lineup. He's not, you know. I mean, I think uh, the two most quintessential three hitters – there's oh, probably three because for a while Rod Carew was a was a, was a solid three hitter as well, but in you know and a lot of Twins fans go well, I didn't I don't know I wasn't you know around Rod Carew okay well if you were around in the nineties in the eighties to nineties and even in the early two thousands the two three hitters that that jump out to me right away obviously number one is thirty four and that's Puck I mean Kirby was the just the perfect three hitter because the guy hit for an insane average. He hit you for three bills or more every year. He had pop in the bat. 
he was a dangerous threat in the three-hole because he could actually take one yard 20 times or more a year, and he was a run producer. If you put guys on base, you know, Puckett's eyes grew to the size of half, you know, 50-cent pieces whenever he saw a guy in, you know, first, let alone second or third in scoring position. That was like, you know, that was like throwing dog, you know, meat on a bone. I mean, he, he was going to drive guys in. The other guy that in the 90s to me was a great, you know, late 90s, was a you know you know I'd say, I even say early to mid nineties was Brian Harper, who was you know one of the few catchers that realistically hit three hundred a lot, and again was a solid guy that if you stuck him in that three on the lineup, he was going to get hits on a regular basis, move guys along on a regular basis, and that's what you want out of the three hole because if that guy in the three hole is not going to get a hit, you're at least asking him to move runners up so that when your four and your five guys come up. Now sacrifice flies drive runs in, singles drive runs in, double start clearing the base paths. And you saw today, you know, Sano hit a triple in the five hole, and he just did that. He cleared the bases, and he missed that being a grand slam by literally a couple of feet. I mean, so that's, you know, you're, you're looking at, you want your three guy to be able to, you're not asking him to be the number one run producer, but you're at least asking him, to be a guy that's going to move guys up, you know, hit decently, you know, probably hit 275 to 300, move runners up. If he's not driving the runs in, he's at least moving them up so that when four and five come up, whatever they do is driving runs in. Right now, Buxton is not, to me, in any sense of the form, just looking at his makeup. I mean, this is a guy that you want to drop a bunt down and get on base. To me, that's not, that, that, that's not the three guy because I don't want him dropping a bunt down if Dozier and somebody else are already on. I mean, that that's, right. you know, I, I don't want to waste the at-bat in the three-hole. I'd rather him, you know, be uh, that. I think they're, I hope that Molitor will see this. We'll look tomorrow, maybe have, you know, some movement in the lineup there. And maybe we'll, and I also think, honestly, this is just me, and I don't know if Bucks would, would admit to this. I don't know if Paul Molitor would admit to this. But I also wonder if him being in that three spot is putting too much pressure on him. You're at the, you're well, at that's the, why they had him in the nine hole last year, right? And and that's and that's what I mean. The first two games this year in that three spot, I wonder if that's if he's if he's pressing a little too much with hey, you know, I'm in this three spot. I wonder. I mean, some of it. I wonder if the player. I wonder if Buxton. And again, I know he would never admit to that, but I wonder if he's pressing a little too much in that three hole, knowing that he's got to try to be that guy to set the table for Maurer, for Sanal, you know, for you know the guys in the back end of that lineup. And so I, I we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But obviously, the, those strikeout numbers are, you know, six out of ten at-bats. That's something you don't want to really see. The 100 batting average doesn't, you know, help you as well. And I wonder if he's just just trying to, you know, press too much in that spot or trying to impress too much in that spot. And it's like... Well, hopefully that's why they have Trey Hunter coming up to him and talking to him a little bit because he was doing great the last month and a day last year. Yeah. Last yeah. season and in in spring training he was doing just fine. No, I so agree. I, I think I think someone like Tory Hunter coming up to him and just saying, you know what, relax, you're trying too hard, or, or whatever the case might be, because he has the talent. We all know that. And and, and as Daryl mentioned, you know the the final game of the series is, is Thursday afternoon. Uh, Kyle Gibson will will go for the for the Twins and that will be uh, he'll be facing off against the Royals. And I'm going to bring up here we're going to get there. 
their starter for the you know the the finale. That'll be a, a twelve start, a twelve ten start again at Target Field. That's an afternoon game as well. Uh, the Royals will send Jason Hamill. That's right, their their newly signed free agent pickup, Jason Hamill, will start for the 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 Royals on Thursday. So hope the Twins can can you know knock him around in the in the finale. Uh, you know Gibson obviously has looked very nice in spring training. We'll see if that flies you know flies over to the you know to the the finale, and then after that the Twins will hit the road trip. They have a six game road trip scheduled where they will take on both the Chicago White Sox for three in Chicago and then the Tigers for a three-game set at uh, Comerica Field before the Twins then will finally uh, pop back home and will then uh, settle down for a nice little homestand at least longer than three games. I mean, it's it's always nice when you can be at the park longer than three games. It's kind of tough to you know unpack your bags, get back from spring training, and then three games, and then you're you're right back on the road again. But they will then at least uh, after that that uh, uh, six game stretch against the White Sox and the Tigers will then settle back in for a homestand that will include uh, three games against the White Sox at home, a four game stretch against the Indians at home, and a, a three game stretch against the Tigers at home. Which it's nice because I I heard the stat today and I, I'd, I'd already kind of remembered it, but it took the Twins twenty four games last year before they won a series against a Central Division opponent. They've already won the series against the Royals with the first two games in the series this week with a chance to sweep them. And they're going to play a lot of their Central Division opponents here in the next two weeks with three against the White Sox, three against the Tigers, three more at home against the White Sox, four against the Indians, and three against the Tigers. And then also when they go back on the road after that, They'll finish out April with three more against the Royals, so they're they're definitely going to get a chance to test their medal against the division very early on. I mean, only playing one series, Daryl, in April outside of the division, and that's three against the Rangers down in Texas. Which I guess if you get to play the Rangers, I'd rather play them in April down there than play them in July when it's like 105 degrees. So that's you know they'll I think the Twins will take that. So a a nice little setup for them as we go through April, but we'll obviously, you know, we'll check back with you guys in two weeks, and we'll see how they do on that that nice little road trip. And then, of course, that little home piece as well against the White Sox and Indians. Um, With that, I mean, that's going to, you know, um, I mean, other highlights, really not much else as we we wrap up the show. I mean, it just, you know, things have looked good so far. I mean, you've liked the defense. You've liked the fact that they played pretty solid team games. Bullpen has pitched well when they've needed it to. Uh, they've gotten two decent starts. Irvin Santana's start was, was obviously very nice at seven innings. Uh, nothing wrong with Santiago's five either. Hope to get the pitch count down for him in his next start. Uh, we'll see Gibson tomorrow on Thursday. And with that, I mean, that really wraps it up for us covering the the Twins in the In the Dugout segment. So we'll wrap up the show as well. Just remember always that you, you, know, you catch the Twins, or you catch Talking Twins, excuse me, being recorded live out of the First Pitch Studios. We are also part of the 4D Podcast Network, and you can check out those that great network out at 40podcasts.com. A lot of great shows along with Talking Twins out there. You can always check us out on Facebook. Remember, that is at www.talkingtwinsbaseball.com slash Facebook. Check us out on Twitter at Talking Twins. And, of course, the website, www.talkingtwinsbaseball.com. For Daryl Yates, it's me, Bradley Swanson, as well, saying, hey, thank you guys very much for listening to another great episode of Talking Twins. We'll be back with you guys two weeks from tonight. As we break down um, 
the the uh, minor leagues at that point. We'll have two weeks in the books almost for our, our minor league teams, for Cedar Rapids, for Fort Myers, for Chattanooga, for Rochester. We'll get into our first uh, episode of Stars in the Week on our Down on the Farm segment, and then we'll also talk about uh, the Twins and, and what's transpired over the last couple of weeks on the In the Dugout segment. So for Darrell, this is Bradley, and thank you guys for listening, and so long until next time here on Talking Twins. Talking baseball in Minnesota. Bernie Allen and Molotov. Krellick had a no-hit game. Kirby Puckett.